spoiler alert, the company in this episode ceased to exist due to what happened in this story. Disasters happen, and since the cloud is just someone else's data center, they sometimes happen in the cloud, and sometimes they take companies along with them. This episode is the first in a series called Cloud Disasters. Each episode tells the real story of a company who failed to back up their cloud data and suffered as a result. And these aren't podunk cloud vendors either. Every vendor covered in this story is a major vendor. I'm not kidding around when I say you should back up your cloud data. I don't care that there are those who think I'm just peddling FUD. Newsflash, the only reason we've ever backed up anything is because of the fear of losing it and the uncertainty and doubt we have in the system that we're backing up. Fans of the podcast know the whole reason that I became a backup specialist is that in 1993, I was unable to recover a very important Oracle database for my employer. I didn't want that to happen to anyone else, so I've dedicated myself to helping others protect themselves from feeling that awful feeling. This show is aimed at you, the unappreciated backup admin, and we want to turn you into a cyber recovery hero. This is the Backup Wrap-Up. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, and I have with me my continued and necessary Tesla consultant, Persona Maliandi. How's it going, Persona? I'm doing well, Curtis. And how have you been? I Well, as you know, I have been fiddling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why am I not surprised? <laughs> I have been fiddling with the automations of my Tesla. Now, Tesla's come in, I'm going to say, two battery flavors, right? There's NMC and LFP. Nickel, manganese, cobalt, and lithium iron phosphate. And I have yeah. the latter. And the latter is not supposed to be subject to the same, don't charge it to 100% unless you need it right away issue. Uh, but in fact, Tesla tells you to charge it to 100% periodically. They do periodically. tell you to charge it to 100% <laughs> at least once a week. Um, but I was charging it to 100% every day. And I was thinking that I that even though it doesn't have necessarily the same issues, I could still get better battery life by not charging to 100% unless I needed to, uh, which uh, for me is not all the time. And so, but I'm also very absent-minded. And so <laughs> I couldn't like lower the percentage and then remember to, 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 to raise the percentage later. And so uh, I found this wonderful app called Tessie and I've been obsessing over it for about a week or two. Would you a week. Say? It's been nine days. Yeah, yeah. I will say if there's any listeners that are a Tesla owner, you should just get Tessie, uh, T-E-S-S-I-E in the app store. I bought it for the automation. What I also got was this in immense amount of analytics and reporting and um, all this great, great stuff. And also reminders. That's another, speaking of being absent-minded, it will tell me, hey, idiot, you're home and your car's not plugged in. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because how many times has that happened to you, Curtis, that you've come home couple, and you're like, oh, you know, a couple enough that it was annoying. It, I will say it, nothing is more annoying than you know, basically driving your car down to, you know, the electrical equivalent of fumes and then um, 
and then getting up in the morning and going, okay, I'm ready to drive today. And you're like, oh crap, I got to go to the, I got to go to the supercharger for 20 minutes before I can do anything else. Um, yeah, so it's got you know it's got that the notifications. It reminds me to to rotate my tires and also gives me analytics about my driving and my efficiency and yeah. So yeah, so happy, 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 happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know who's not happy? The people not happy? that are going to be in this new series. <laughs> <laughs> they are not happy, and this is a new series. One of the things that you've heard us say is what, Persona? Back up the cloud? Yes, back up the cloud. The cloud is not magic. There is no such thing as the cloud. It's just somebody else's computer. Uh, the cloud doesn't magically back up itself. Despite what you may have been told, the cloud, there are parts of the cloud where People generally agree with me. I think probably the best example would be something like AWS, you know, like EC2. They're like, yes, we know EC2 needs to be backed up. Um, And and then we just argue a little bit over how that's going to be done. But when we get to the extreme, the other end of that, we get the SaaS world. We get the Microsoft 365 lovers who say, oh, this, this doesn't need to be backed up or Salesforce, you know, or G Suite. And we have gone back over the last uh, several years and selected um, (laughs) a number of, you know, poor victims of this belief. And um, I I can think of no better uh, story to start this out than code spaces because it, I think it was kind of the first. It was probably the first that was sort of well publicized as well as having very dire consequences for not backing up the cloud. Right. And it's interesting from a timing perspective, it happened in 2014 which to me is the year of the beginning of the massive level of ransomware. Now, now I know mm-hmm. ransomware actually goes way back longer, you know, much longer bef- before that. But to me, 2014 is really when I started seeing ransomware kind of everywhere. And this was technically a ransomware attack, not in the traditional sense that we think of today, but, but it was. So codespaces.com was a site, and this is the the irony of all ri- ironies, and, and I will say that unlike Alanis Morissette, I actually know what the word ironic means. Um, I love the song. It's just so many things in that song that are not in any way ironic. They just suck. Um, codespaces.com was a site to store your code. It was like... Um, GitHub. Yeah, it was, like, it was like a GitHub, and they had many, many customers, and it was a safe space to store your code, hence the name codespaces.com. Yeah, so basically, like you mentioned, it was a place companies could store their code, and this was way back in the day, and so it's like, hey, if you just have your own code sitting locally on your system, because not everyone was comfortable with the cloud, they (laughs) offered a service that allows you to store your code there and keep it safe. And 
Now, according to a cached version of their website, because of course you can't find anything anymore about them, uh, they had over 200 customers a week or 200 companies a week using their service, which isn't like small beans, right? And yes, it's not like the thousands and millions, but there are 200 customers who now no longer have access to their code anymore because of what happened to code spaces. The other interesting thing is, according to their websites, and I will quote, backing up data is one thing, but is meaningless without a recovery plan. (laughs) Not only that a recovery plan and one that is well-practiced and proven to work time and time again, Codespaces has a full recovery plan that has been proven to work and is, in fact, practiced. What do you think about that, Curtis? That sounds really good. Um, you know, based on what we know happened, clearly they didn't test for all of the all scenarios. scenarios, right? And they yeah. specifically didn't test for cyber attack. Um, yeah. but Which at the time, could you fault them really? I don't know. <clears throat> well, th- they had poor backup design. Just, you know, what, what we're going yeah, to get to, what we're going to find yeah. out. They had full backup. They had poor backup design. They failed to follow what, Prasanna? The three, two, one rule. You know, we haven't talked about this in a long, long time. Do you want to quickly mention it to some of our listeners? Yeah. So the three, two, one rule. And by the way, many companies have said it's got to be more than three, two, one. Yes, I agree. Right. These days it has to be more than three, two, one. But if it's not three, two, one, there's no point in talking about the other ones. Right. Having at least three versions on two different media, and the the, the idea here is on on things that are subject to different um, risk profiles, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's disk and tape, maybe it's uh, on prem and off prem, maybe it's you know on prem and cloud, maybe it's um, you know a different region, etc. And then one three the one is make sure that there's something off site. Um, yeah. They had neither the two nor the one, but we're going to get to that yeah. in a minute. And and for those listeners who want to know more, we actually had an episode with the person who coined the term three, two, one, who comes from digital photography, in fact. And yeah. so you should go take a listen to that episode. We'll link yeah, it in we'll the show notes. A, yeah, we'll put a show notes. Peter Krog, um, great guy. So what happened? Well, we have that a hacker gained privileged credentials. That we still don't know how that happened, right? They're saying probably through phishing or possibly through uh, stored EC2 access keys in a public code repository. Um, which happened a lot back then and still which, does today. Yeah, yeah. The um, There was a uh, security researcher at Tripwire that said that this is a problem for people how to, how to manage the authentication codes like this. And uh, they said they'd seen, they had seen thousands of EC2 accounts abused after storing their EC2 keys in public code repositories. Ouch, right? Um, but we don't, so we don't would know. It, Someone it, got access. Would it, be, would it be ironic if Codespaces was using Codespaces to store their code and they left a public repository with their EC2 key? <laughs> that would indeed be ironic. Um but yeah, so we don't know exactly how this hacker, uh, this you know bad actor, got access to the to the environment, but they did. And the first thing that they did was they started a DDoS attack. Uh, what is a DDoS attack, 
persona? This is a distributed denial of service. So you have a bunch of servers outside hammering various servers at a company, causing it, flooding it with a lot of traffic, which then causes it to stop responding. So if your code spaces, someone did a DDoS attack on you, now you wouldn't be able to serve and function as a service to those 200 paying customers. Yeah, the really interesting thing about this is that the DDoS attack was apparently subterfuge, right? Um, you know, look over here. Well, I <laughs> yeah. nothing up with which I think is still common today, right? Yeah. There are still yeah, a lot of is. companies yeah. who they are trying to hide their tracks, and they're like, "Hey, everyone's going to fight," and DDoSes were common, and so they have a plan in place, and everyone's scrambling there. Where you're like, "Hey, look at my left hand while I'm doing something with my right." <laughs> right, and then I, I think the I don't know if interesting is right, but the hacker left contact details for themselves <laughs> in the customer's Amazon dashboard, right? Uh, this was, this, this was I, I, think, I think maybe we haven't mentioned it, this was an AWS customer. And this is why we call it ransomware, right? Even though it's not your traditional ransomware like we think today, it more or less is. Right, yeah, so then uh, I'll quote from, there, there was a page, by the way, there was a page, uh, basically codespaces.com, died after this and it became a they replaced it with just one page that says here's what happened and we're i'm going to read quotes from that page that are no longer available because they sold the domain um upon realizing that somebody had access to our control panel we started to investigate how access had been gained and what access that person had uh to the data in our systems it became clear that so far no machine access had been achieved due to the intruder not having our private keys. Um, that's what they thought, right? Um, but things turned it wasn't true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, turned ugly. Uh, why don't you t- talk about the next one there? Yeah. So, what was the response? So, Code Spaces did a smart thing, and one of their first response actions was to change all of its ec2 passwords but quickly code spaces discovered that the attacker had created backup logins which mm-hmm. any sensible person's going to do right you're never right. going to say hey i'm only going to have one admin in my environment and so the attacker was able to create all these backup logins and so now they were able to just go back into the system and continue doing the attacks. And once they realized that Codespaces was trying to actually recover and take control from the attacker, right. the attacker then started to go and just delete things from the control panel because they had super user access at that point, right? So they could do whatever they wanted. Yeah, somewhere in here in the version of the story that I have, I remember there was a there was a there was an attempt at a ransom. Basically, give us this amount of money, or or, or we're gonna, you know, do bad things. Um, but the, but you know, they they obviously didn't want to pay the ransom. Yeah. And then uh, then what happened? And so finally, Code Spaces got their control panel access back, but not before the attacker had caused quite a bit of damage. Yeah. So the attacker had gone, removed all the EBS snapshots. S3 buckets, all the AMIs, which are the Amazon machine instances, some EBS instances, and several machine instances. And this is a quote from the same webpage that Curtis was talking about. In summary, most of our data, backups, machine configurations, 
and offsite backups were either partially or completely deleted. What it, I, I, you know, I, did, I never noticed that phrase before. And they said, and offsite backups. What offsite backups? What, <laughs> I mean, what, because the what? hacker only had access to the one account. I'm guessing that they replicated to another AWS region within the okay. same account. Okay. Another zone within the same account. Yeah. All right. Or, yeah. or another region. Yeah. 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 But still within the same account. Possibly still. within the same account. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Possibly. You're right. We don't know for sure. But yeah. if it wasn't the same account, then the hacker had to gain access to multiple accounts, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So basically, this is the equivalent of blowing up somebody's data center, right? Yeah. Um, because basically, they just... You know, in a matter of a few keystrokes, they just deleted essentially everything, right? Everything that mattered yeah. or enough things that mattered that they, um, you know, uh, took out the company. And one of the things that I don't know if you found any information about, Curtis, is did they ever reach out to law enforcement or even AWS's security operations to be like, hey, I have this issue. Can you help me? Yeah, we don't. I, I'm going to assume that once, you know, the feces hit the rotary oscillator, I'm sure they called AWS. I mean, of course they called AWS, but what we know is that, right. If you know, AWS isn't magic. And yeah. if you didn't follow the architecture and do the things that you were supposed to do, AWS can't undo that. Yeah. Um, well, I was just wondering before it changed its EC2 passwords, if they had reached out to AWS, oh. if they could have helped them in some way or been like, hey, here are the best practices for locking down your account. Or yeah, other things I, I'm, like I'm going to guess based on how they responded that they did not do that. <laughs> right. Um, I don't think their response was the best thing they could have done at the time. Um, yeah. So then we have. Um, so here's again, I'm reading from their quote that from their quote here. Code spaces will not be able to operate beyond this point. The cost of resolving this issue to date and the expected cost of refunding customers who have been left without the service they paid for will put code spaces in an irreversible position, both financially and in terms of ongoing credibility. <laughs> no kidding. Um, as such, at this point in time, we have no alternative but to cease trading and concentrate on supporting our affected customers and exporting any remaining data they have left with us. Ouch. That is, um, that's a tough one. So basically, you know, hacker gets in, hacker, uh, you know, offers a ransom. They try to, instead of paying the ransom, they try to lock the hacker out unsuccessfully yep and then the hacker deletes the company <laughs> the, oh, right I, I mean they deleted basically everything you know as much as they could get access to in that you know in that account that's crazy <laughs> yeah yeah this is one of those where it's like i i always used this story to recommend uh, backup design for the cloud. Even though I don't think I've ever encountered someone who says, well, I don't need to backup EC2. I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah. 
I have very commonly found people whose backup design was very similar to this company's backup design. And um, so, well, let me ask you this. What do you think, um, what could they have done differently to stop this, uh, to prevent this from happening? I would say the first could have been take your backups to a different account right in a different region or even in the same region that would have at least kept your data safe. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I would probably just say as long as you, as long as you're, I I guess what I'm, I'm trying to, I'm factor, I'm thinking in my head, like from a cost perspective, does it cost extra to send to another region? Is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Usually it does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but they already I, have an offsite backups, right? So, right, yeah. So, um, I, I think that your backups should be copied to another region and another account. I, I actually, and 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 I'll say that you know my my opinion is somewhat peppered by having worked for a company that does this, but there are companies that will back up your cloud data and then get it out of the cloud into their cloud, and I think that's as secure as it can be, right? And I think that it should be then stored in some type of immutable type offering. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically get get, get it out of the region for security against bad things that might happen that aren't hackers, and then get it out of the account to secure it against hackers. And the... If that costs you money, figure out a way to do that that costs you as little as possible. And, and, and I do think the companies that can back up, take the, the incremental data, and then maybe dedupe it before they pull it out, if they can do that, you can minimize the egress costs of moving it out. Yeah. Um, the the other thing, um, yeah, so, so they didn't have it in a different account. They didn't have object lock turned on. Um, yeah. Object lock did not exist back then, by the way. What's that? <clears throat> Object lock didn't exist back then. So okay, so we won't we won't blame them for that. But <laughs> yeah. but, but since object lock exists now, we'll mm-hmm. say this is what you should do. Yeah. Uh, but you know what did exist back then that they did hmm. not use? Multi-factor authentication. Oh, for the access into their admin account or into their console. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody gains <laughs> access to your admin keys and they're able to log in, if you don't have MFA, you, you have zero protection against someone either stealing or accidentally, you know, inadvertently getting access to administrative level keys. Yeah. And uh, I mean, MFA, 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 MFA. I mean, how, <laughs> how many times do we have to say it, right? Um, good password management, MFA, and uh, patch management. We, we say this all the yep. time. If you just did those three things, you'd stop roughly 90% of attacks. And in this case, if they had had MFA, this uh, bad actor would not have been able to gain access. Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> and I think it's important to say, just because you use MFA and patch management and everything else doesn't mean that you don't need backup. You still need right. backup because that is how you are going to recover from this <clears throat> plus other issues as well. The security side of things just sort of helps to protect you from letting the hackers in to some extent. 
not going to be right. 100% foolproof, but hopefully, like Curtis said, protects you in 80, 90% of the cases. Yeah, to borrow from and totally abuse a quote from Shakespeare, <laughs> there is more on heaven and earth than is dreamt of in your philosophy. There are m- many, many ways that your data can be attacked, deleted, set on fire, exploded, sucked into a sinkhole. There's so many different things that can happen to your data. That's why you have backup and backup protects against all of them. And, and we're saying backup and DR and all of those things that come with it. Um, but uh, the other thing that they also didn't do was this idea of, um, you know, least privilege. Do you want to talk about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So, Normally, you do not want in a company, you don't want the intern to have the same level of access as your CEO or your IT admin. And so you want to be able to say, hey, whatever access a person needs to something, that's all they should have access to and nothing else. And so you want to have make sure that you are focused on that and don't just say, hey, everyone, you guys have admin credentials so you can do anything and everything. Because if one person who inadvertently gets compromised, now everything is exposed. So you want to scope down their access to only what they need. And that's it. Exactly. Now, when, when reading the uh, articles about this, one of the things that other people uh, dinged this company for was that they didn't have an established procedure for locking down the account. And when I thought about that, I just found myself wondering, huh, how exactly would that happen? <laughs> and the best that I could find, you know, how, how would you do that? And the best that I could find is that you would have a secondary account that has access to this account that you then have a procedure to do things like um, disable. I, I think about, you know, what, what, is, what is the cloud equivalent to blocking somebody out? And, and I think the, the, the quickest way would be to disable particular IAM profiles. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was some... I, you know, and I'm not I'm not an expert on this. Uh, I don't think you're an expert on this. No. I would say talk to your cloud company, talk to your cloud provider, and ask them, "Hey, I am worried that one day my cloud entire environment might become compromised. How can I automate basically locking everything out? Right? Once yep. we determine that a hacker is in our environment." I would really like a button that I can press from another account that shuts everything and down and everything like this can be automated. And yes, that is a, uh, you know, what, what, what's the nuclear term? option? Yeah. The nuclear option. That is the nuclear option. But once you have an, a hacker in your account, to me, that, that would be the proper option. Shut everything down. Uh, except for like, I would think, create a new IAM profile that you can use after you've done this and then nuke everything that isn't that. Um, And and that should be automated. And that, and I don't think this is something we normally talk about. I don't think it's something we talk about, but it has to be out there somewhere. I'm sure that AWS or Google or 
pick your favorite cloud provider. They probably have a procedure. I think the danger is you don't want it too automated because there's also the risk that a hacker or someone else could trigger that and shut down your company. So it's sort of one of those nuclear options. So you don't want to make it too easy. But I'm sure that there yeah, is a... Like that. The, the the hacker uses the nuclear option to nuke you. Yeah, I, I um, this is one of those where this is this is the nuclear button, and so you just maybe you have an account that just does this, and that account is like completely separate from everything else. Like we we talk about having an account that is the backup account, right? That is yeah. used for backups, and no one ever logs into this account, and you created in such a way that if anyone ever does log in, does log into the account, it sets off alerts everywhere. And right. It, it, yeah. it can be like a honeypot account, but this account. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how to do this again. I'm not an expert in this, yeah. but I would, I would create a separate account and I would make that account as secure as humanly possible. Again, ask your cloud provider how to do that. Uh, yeah. the the best way to do that, but the, I just noticed that everybody said that almost everybody they're like they should have had procedures for what to do in this situation and and they didn't have them. I yeah. think at least manual perhaps, procedures, right? What's that? At least manual procedures, right? At least for manual procedures, right? Because I don't think that changing the passwords on IM profiles was the the quickest way to do that right i think the thing they should have focused on perhaps was kicking out currently logged Everybody. in sessions uh and yeah i don't know and the problem yeah. is it's like how how do you 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 have to you have to build your incident response around your environment and one of the things that they could have done is maintain an inventory of um, basically privileged, super privileged accounts and look and see if there were any new ones. Well, Um, that's the thing I was going to mention is they should at least have had monitoring when someone adds a super privileged user, they should have been flagged about that immediately. Right. Because that's not a common occurrence. Right. And so monitoring alerting is also looks like something that people should be doing to catch these sort of issues as well. Yeah. And, and and I'd love, by the way, I'd love other suggestions from listeners. I would love to hear from you. If you go to backupwrapup.com, there's actually a button on there that you can leave voicemails. Uh, You can send (laughs) us notes and uh, you know, you know, if you'd like, we can actually even play your response on the air. I would love to hear better suggestions than we have from a security perspective, because I'm, you know, I'm Mr. Backup. I'm not Mr. Security. I, I, I play, I play a security professional <laughs> on TV. Um, the, uh, but, but, but uh, the summary statement from a backup perspective, if they had simply followed the three, two, one rule, if they had made another copy of their backups in another account, in another location, if they had used a cloud provider to do this for them so that then a copy of all their data was stored in in a completely different company. If they had done any of those things, they would have at least had a copy so that once they got on the other side of the attack, they could have then recovered all the data because that's the, the true disaster here is that once they've been attacked, 
And once the attacker gained access to their account, they were able to delete all their data, both their primary and their backups. So I know we've been focused solely on Codespace as the company, but I Mm -hmm. think there's also blame to be placed on those 200 companies who were using Codespaces for Mm. not also having a backup of Mm -hmm. their data and relying solely on Codespaces as their service provider. You know, that is an interesting, you know, we tend to focus here on the fact that it was a provider, but what this really was, was a SaaS provider. Yep. (laughs) Right. Yep. Yeah. So we don't know what happened to those other companies. And so this is, this is a double lesson, right? If you're, if you're running in the cloud, make sure you've got a backup of that, of that data. If you're using a SaaS provider, make sure you have another copy of the data that you're putting in that SaaS provider, because that would be another way for at least the, the, um, the, the, the thing that's difficult here, again, I agree with you. <clears throat> the thing that's the, the difference here is that unlike many of the SaaS providers, this company specifically said, hey, we got it. We yeah. got your backups. This data and it's tested and it's all yeah. this stuff, right? Um, the, um, you know, I just had a thought. Uh, huh. If we go to LinkedIn and we search for code spaces, and find people <laughs> that used to work in those spaces. Oh, that would be. I wish. I wish we could talk to somebody that was involved in this. But yeah, uh, I think we can learn. I'm sure from there are probably what NDAs. What's that? There's probably NDAs. Oh, they're probably NDA. Yeah. All right. Well, back up the cloud. I told you so. Any final thoughts for you, Persona? No, I totally agree with that, and I like this because I know we bring up code spaces a lot, so. I think that hopefully our listeners now understand why we talk about it and what they should not be doing <clears throat> and yeah. why we harp so much on things like the three, two, one rule and MFA, because you don't want your company to have to shut its doors because they were unable to recover their data. Yeah. And sadly, this will not be the last company that, you know, l- basically ceased to exist uh, because they didn't properly back up their data. All right. Well, uh, thanks for uh, joining me, Persona, as always. Anytime. And looking forward to see your analytics on your car. (laughs) I will see what I can do. And I will also thank our listeners. We'd be nothing without you. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. That is a wrap. The Backup Wrap-Up is written, recorded, and produced by me, W. Curtis Preston. If you need backup or DR consulting, content generation, or expert witness work, check out BackupCentral.com. You can also find links from my O'Reilly books on the same website. Remember, this is an independent podcast, and any opinions that you hear are those of the speaker and not necessarily an employer. Thanks for listening.